we are back. We are back. We were never dead. We just acted like it. Well, maybe we should prove. Obviously, you know I'm alive. Dakota, are you alive? Oh, I'm alive, man. Never. I've never been more alive in my life. <laughs> feels good. Yeah. Feels good. Get some. Oh, feels good. Uh, once again, what happens to be, it, I would almost call it our new MO. We just seem to fall off the radar for like all of summer. And this year, we pushed it all the way to October <laughs> before we came back. Yeah, we left all you guys thinking we were gone, but we're back. It was a long hiatus. It was a long hiatus. But I did look. I did look at when I found little moments here and there where there was a lot of you out there still listening and checking us out. So that was good to see, and we're glad that you were there and still checking out back episodes because we do do a lot. We do do a lot. We all do do a lot. It's important to do do. A lot of episodes are just about random movies over the years, and it's not necessarily about up and coming and things like that. So we're glad you're still checking those out. Uh, but yeah, in this episode, uh, as we usually tend to do when we come back at the end of summer, we just talk about uh, the summer a little bit. So we're going to go over some of the movies this summer that we thought were good. This was harder than it we th- than you would think it would be, given that summer movies are known for being. Some of the move big movies of the year, but what happened? This you is know, this is this is tricky. We picked, and, a, and I, I will admit that part of it was there were a few I didn't get to, but I think even putting that aside, this was a rough one. Yeah, uh, we picked a heck of a time to do this because <laughs> they just got snow in Rapid City, and we're probably going to be getting snow in our area. So we're going to talk about yeah. a warm. We're going to talk about a warmer time, a warmer yeah. time in summer. So what we're going to do is Dakota and I we 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 toiled, we we perspired to find the three movies each this summer that we thought uh, were the highlights. We're the ones that stuck out to us as like, hey, hey, look at this. <laughs> there, there's a good one in there. Here's the diamond. I knew it was in here somewhere. Yeah, the summer movie season is not what it once was. Well, yeah. Not in the past few years, anyway. I mean, this summer just feels like it was really, like, it was a big drought. Yeah. Of just, like, and uh, and and maybe that'll affect certain movies like Venom coming up, where there'll be so many people just horrendously thirsty for a movie like that, that it'll just blow up the weekend, whether it's good or bad. We'll see what happens, so. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're gonna we like I said we picked our top three. Um, Dakota, do you want to go ahead and do your your first one? We're gonna start at the bottom and work our way to our number ones. All right. Here we go. My movie has actually I've actually been waiting to see this movie for a long time. Oh man! But it's only it's it didn't make <laughs> your number one spot though. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna just it's Incredibles two. Oh, okay. I yeah. was really stoked to see this movie, and I wasn't sure. Let me let me just go ahead and spoiler it. Say we'll just kind of co-op this because that's my number three, also. Oh, okay. And then that way we can just—it's not like well, my number three. We could just be like, I'll just go ahead and spoil. just one and done. We'll huh? just throw it out there that both of ours number three is Incredibles two. Yeah. Yeah. You sorry. Go ahead. You were you had been you were most really anticipating this one. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to. I didn't. I didn't think had the trailer really like. Got me stoked. I'm like, should I go into this? Like, it got you woo-hoo! stoked in that it was Incredibles, but I know what you mean. It was still like, but what is this? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And I, I don't know. I feel, I, I almost felt like I had to subvert my expectations going into this. Okay, because I, you know, what in your mind, if you're such a huge fan of the first one, what you're expecting is like, oh, this is just going to be like a. This would be like a, a team movie, like Avengers, where everyone is just going to be like out there doing their own thing. Then you realize like they're still a family. The, yeah. The kids are still kids. Well, the movie literally picks up two seconds yeah. after the last movie ended. Like literally two seconds. Uh, yeah. Great opening, by yeah. the way. Yeah, great. Part great with opening. The Underminer was just fantastic. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was really excited to see this. Um probably one of the few movies i was like yeah it's you know i marked it on my calendar my my 
metaphorical calendar because I don't. No, it was his real calendar. Nobody, nobody. Everybody, let's go. Oh, that's so cute. He has a little calendar. He marks. <laughs> I I can't say much because I have like a planner and I usually mark oh, movies wow. in it. So nerd. I mean, oh crap! Now I sound like a serial killer. I'm in my planner. You might you might want to keep that. <sighs> There's so many notes. <laughs> 30 years down the road, it might come in handy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's not open that can of worms. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Same boat. It was, uh, I knew I was going to trample down any little kids that were in my way if it was a sold-out theater because I had been waiting longer than they had been alive to see exactly. this sequel. And, uh, and, yeah, let's, okay, so you, you talked about subverting expectations. Now, we, I agree, opening genius genius way to open the movie like let's just pick it up everybody likes like that underminer thing let's go with that what did you think kind of from there though like overall um you know it kind of slowed down a little bit and i still don't know what to think kind of how they get how they get elastigirl basically back into action it all i don't know i don't buy that kind of hole or i didn't fall for it as hard it kind of seemed like it just appeared. Um, the movie was obviously really phenomenal. Uh, loved it. Uh, did I think it was as good as the first one, though? Oh, man. Uh, no. No, I didn't. I got to be honest here. It was still great. I still... Well, just throw yourself softball questions, <laughs> why don't you? <laughs> uh, I still loved, like I said, loved the movie. Thought it did some really interesting things, but uh, villain, the villain didn't impress me. This was pretty far from syndrome yeah i mean they 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 tried to keep it in the vein of how the villain is kind of has a personal connection a little bit but yeah it wasn't quite syndrome level because syndrome there was like because of what the first incredibles was about syndrome was kind of like the culmination apex of all of that and so it kind of made it all yeah and this one was kind of like Okay, I think my biggest thing was, even though I liked the idea of opening the door to all these other superheroes, was that I found them kind of annoying and in the way. Yeah. The other superheroes. I understand where you're coming from. Like, I get why they thought it was a good idea to have them there. Like, oh, there's this bigger world of you're helping these people uh, be okay with themselves or whatever. But at the same time, I just found them really annoying and in the way from the rest of the Incredibles stuff. Um, Something that really got me, too. I felt like this movie... Um, at the end, visually, was trying to compete with Avengers, so they felt like they had to kind of go bigger. Yeah. Even if it was, I don't know, it seemed kind of tied down. The ending seemed like an hour long. Was that just me? Because they were on that boat well, for an awfully long time. I Yeah, I think it was because because you're in a location like a boat near the end, but the boat isn't where the whole movie takes place. Yeah, it just felt like it was a really long finale. But really, it was because Act Three is basically the boat, like the stuff that happens on the boat, and so it just made it feel like a big finale. Um, I lo- there was a few. I I honestly thought some of the action sequences in this movie were like, even though it was a cartoon, I found myself like, oh wow, really getting caught up. Like like Elastigirl, the things they had her do with her bike, like through that one sequence, and then the way they they use the fact that she is elastic. Like yeah. how he had her, how her bike was able to split apart. And I just thought that that was, they did a lot of cool ideas that enhanced the action because of her abilities, you know, when they first kind of had her going out. And I found that to be like, really like, like, wow, this is like the best of what you want out of like a superhero movie and those types of sequences. Um, I, I liked uh, the character. I thought overall the character developments were good. Uh, Jack Jack had a completely scene stealing <laughs> part. Just the whole raccoon sequence is just like it was a Pixar short, but within a movie. Yeah. It was just amazing. <laughs> uh but yeah, and that was the thing, like I had so much fun with this movie and I feel like and there was so much good about it and it and it it looked so good. Like like they kept every they kept that uh the same look as the original one but then just gave it a little bit of an enhancement like uh oh it's 14 years later we can make it look better but still familiar and so it just it just so all of that was just like this is great and so like even the things i had qualms about i thought 
the scale still tipped a lot more the positive way for me. And I feel like it's what you're saying. Yeah. And it just ended up being a fun movie. Yeah. So I guess, like, if I were to rate this one, which I give the first one, like, oh, God, A to A plus. You know, like, somewhere I just think the first <laughs> yeah. one is just great. And this one I'd probably give more in, like, the the B plus. Yeah, I'd, I'd go probably the same with you, B plus. So, yeah. So, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it was okay. Uh, this is confusing. I guess we'll just go to your number two now. All right. I don't think you've seen my number two. <laughs> or, wow, that came out really wrong. Well, unless you've forgotten to flush, no. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I just Lordy. go. I just go right to bat. I don't think humor. you've seen the film that I have on my number two. <laughs> that is, is my number two. Why is there film on your number two? <laughs> oh, this is this is snowballing pretty hard. Okay, uh, yeah. you better just say it. All right, Hereditary. I didn't see that. Top second film of the summer. Hereditary was number two. Yeah, I thought you said it was good. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. I'm done now. I'm done now. Okay, Hereditary. To go to explain this for those of those of us who may not quite understand what this movie is. Oh lordy, this movie has drawn a lot of kind of parallels with Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Um, Okay. So creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh. And when I say that, I mean, it's more of a, the tone of it is more of a really serious kind of family drama. Like, there's a lot of, um, you kind of have Tony Collette, who plays, uh, what is this? Very good actress. Uh, she essentially plays uh, the lead in this, named Annie. Uh, she has just recently lost her mother. And kind of over the course of the movie, you find out that they had a really strained relationship. Um I guess her mother suffered from dissociative identity identity disorder. For those of you who are like, what the hell is that? Ironically, uh, Tony Collette was in the United States of Tara, Tara, who also suffered from dissociative identity disorder. And the character from Split, that's what he suffers from too. It's basically multiple personality disorder. Uh, they don't call it that anymore for some reason. Uh, but anyway, it's basically the family kind of coming to grips with the mother passing, uh, the grandmother, mother, uh, Gabriel Burns in this playing probably the most stoic role he's played in years. Oh, Um, that's kind of what he used to be known for. Yeah. He plays kind of just the typical dad that's silent kind of strict while at the same time also trying to be a loving husband um so he's playing tony collette's husband yes okay in the film uh even though i guess there's like a giant age gap between well yeah the that's what i was just realizing yeah. because tony collette's probably what upper 40s but he's got to be in his 60s yeah there's <laughs> he looks good for his age i guess um there's... i just watched the first episode of maniac and he's in that and he looks old. <laughs> so, uh, this movie has a couple of uh, younger actresses. Uh, Millie Shapiro plays this character named Charlie, and Alex Wolf plays the son Peter. Uh, both of these characters kind of have their own ticks. You want to call them Charlie, especially Charlie. Uh, a lot of people uh, kind of are creeped out by this girl. I wasn't so much. Uh, more so probably than Damien from um, The Omen. Yeah, The Omen. Well, I, I feel like in some of the marketing material I saw, it's like they were trying to make that girl make you pee your pants just from <laughs> yeah. seeing her in the posters or something. So it's like they set her up to be that, I think, too. Or So people go in with an expectation like, well, she's... She's the pants make the one that's gonna make me wet my pants, you know, or something. Yeah, it's. I went into this kind of mostly curious because I kept hearing how great Tony Collette was, how great the effects were, just the strong, really overall direction of the film, and that piques my interest. Um, you know, it's nice finding besides these big Hollywood blockbusters, you know, the the film where it's mostly relying on acting and skills of the director yeah storytelling yeah yeah yep uh so that's basically why i saw this and it was probably a good thing i went to see this in the afternoon (laughs) it was a brisk afternoon you know sunny day 
and I went to go see it. Um, yeah, this this film starts off kind of kind of mellow with like a really depressing overtones, basically. And then it quickly kind of slowly gets creepy. You realize uh, weird things are happening. Uh, I really, really do not want to spoil this movie for anybody. But stuff goes sideways uh, about halfway through the film. And it just kind of goes steadily down. So, like, let's say, let's say, hey, Dakota. I'm so and so movie watcher. My stomach gets queasy when things get a little too gory or violent, but I still like to be spooked. Is this the movie for me? Probably not. <laughs> oh, okay, so yeah. it, it goes kind of violent. It's not I- icky. I don't want to say gory, but there's some scenes in here that even shocked me. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's just like disturbing. Yes. Okay. All right, just and wanted to clear that up because I know some people are like, I like spooky stuff, but I don't like the disturbing, violent-y, gory-ish stuff. Yeah, and I think the reason this movie's scary, um, and I'm going to kind of compare it to another movie that recently came out, The Nun. The Nun had a lot of jump scares. There's probably only a couple in this movie. The music uh, kind of helps build the tension in this. Even when probably about more so than I'd say than your average horror movie. So it, it kind of really wants you to like keep you on your edge. Uh, and Tony Collette, wow, she really, really brought everything she had to this role. Do you think there's a possibility that nominations could be in her future, or do you think it's going to be hard for a movie like this to be noticed in the awards field? Oh, you would want to hope so, just because I haven't seen anything... Because um, I have recently. the reason I say this is like it's not just like you. I've heard some other like significant critics even critics even say like Tony Collette gives an amazing performance. Yeah, I don't even know what else I've seen this year besides uh, A Quiet Place from uh, like the director. No, uh, the female lead in A Quiet Place. Why oh, I, Emily Blunt. Yeah, uh, she's probably the closest one that comes to that I would even suggest would get an Oscar. Um, but like I said, I don't want to spoil this movie because there's, there's some sharp, sharp left turns in this movie. I didn't even see them coming. Um, just very creepy tone all throughout this movie. And I'm one of those people. I'm not, I'm not really exaggerating either. I, I kind of see like twists and turns coming and you're like, ah, it's all coming. Nope. Movie's ruined for me. Did not see sure. anything. Especially the ending. The ending creeped the hell out of me so bad. Like, I just wanted to walk in the sunlight afterwards for a while. <laughs> like, all right. Maybe go feed some pigeons yeah. or something. But I, with Halloween coming up, I would definitely recommend this. You know, it's the time. Friends like to get together, watch creepy horror movies. I'm, I'm actually going to go there. I'm going to give it an A-. Okay. A- minus for, uh, for Hereditary from Dakota. My number two uh, is was is was a little more known. A movie came out in July and and did really well. And I think a lot of us were just surprised that it was as good as it was, and was even some one of the best in the series. And it's Mission Impossible Fallout. Which, uh, sorry, which what which is this? In the number of the series, this oh, number this seven? would be the sixth one. Oh, okay. Because there were, let's see, wait, I always get confused if there's <laughs> been six or seven, too. That's funny you did that. Uh, three, four, no, six, six. Okay. Yeah, which is crazy. It's crazy. Because basically, the reason I, I remember it's six is that I consider basically, no, holy cow. No, six. <laughs> I'm be honest it's with you. Weird. It's weird. Why I get confused is there's, yeah, because there was MI3, and then MI3, after MI3, there's three more, which I feel like are kind of a trilogy within themselves. Even though MI3 has a little has they play into those characters too, but I really feel like uh, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and then this one Fallout. That those three are almost like this uh, a big story arc because 
these are the first they used to treat Mission Impossible, I feel like up until 3 like James Bond where he, it's like he would have this this ending and and then even at the end of like Mission Impossible 2 and Mission Impossible 3 there was like a girl but then in the next one that person would be gone <laughs> or something and uh and it was always like James Bond where it's like oh happy ending but then the next one is like nope he's alone again <laughs> or whatever um but what i what i feel like were some of the strengths of this one is it became Tom Cruise did things in this movie that were at times like I think if it were like the beginning if this were a new series not called Mission Impossible with like a new leading guy you'd be like this is over the top but I feel <laughs> like Tom Cruise at this point in this series with what he's done earned everything he's done where it's like I buy this because I've been in this world with him long enough to know that his character has made this made me think of this as a possibility and reality within this world. And so I feel like why a lot of the things that we work is that like Tom Cruise has built a great fan base with this really plays to what his fans want and just made a, it's not just like a fun, like action ride movie, but that the story that it's telling and the com- there's compelling villains to it. There's compelling what are they's in this movie. And by what are they's, I mean like, are they bad? Are they good? What's going on? All of that is really compelling through this. And it just made you at the end be like, holy cow. And I think what made it even more shocking was like, this is usually when a series is starting to get really tired. Like this is when like, like, why did they even make this? You know, kind of like how a lot of people left Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, this summer was like, what the heck was that all about? You know, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Whereas this is like, I feel like it, it's like, it still feels like it's fresh and has an energy. Yeah, a lot of people. And Henry Cavill was good. <laughs> it's like, I haven't seen him good in a while just because I feel like he's kind of stuck in this rut with what he does. There was a lot of people this summer kind of saying, we need more movies like this. And it's like, uh, what kind of movie is that? I don't... Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, copycats of this have always been terrible. Because they've tried to do copycats of this. And that's why I'm saying that, like, if you tried to make this movie with someone else, it wouldn't work. But Tom Cruise has built, like, this empire, in a sense. And has has owned it and earned it and made it a re- made it real in that world to where it's like I'm okay with it here but if some other guy just ju- if cuz I mean you could cuz basically if you look at skies we'll take skyscraper for example the Dwayne Johnson movie that came out earlier this year everybody was just like ragging on the poster even you know with how he's jumping and how he would have fallen to his death in physics and blah 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 and I feel like it's because we don't know him. It's just Dwayne Johnson playing another guy, and then he just is missing a leg because, oh, that adds <laughs> tension or something. And uh, it's 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 kind of unearned, and so you just end up not buying anything. Uh, and so that's why this is smart, and that's why this works and can't really be copycatted in that way. Tom Cruise is just a weird, hyperactive, crazy, smiling anomaly of a person. <laughs> Yeah, it's it is crazy how strong the franchise is, uh, especially considering quite possibly at its strongest. That's what's shocking to me. Yeah, especially considering the first one, a lot of people don't really, even though it was huge at the time. Yeah, it was, like it was a big movie when it came out at the time. It it seems like it hasn't aged well too. Nobody, no. well, nobody, the technology. Nobody has ever liked two, uh, three. It's like. Yeah, it's okay, I three, guess. Three is considered what kind of built the momentum again for the next three. Yeah. yeah. But these last three have kind of just, like, ratcheted up to, like, an 11. And it's just, it blows my mind that, you know, there's people like, oh, can't wait to see the next one. And here we are on the sixth one. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I never, I never, and I mean, I guess Fast and the Furious would be another one that, has earned their audience too 
they would be another example of maybe this. I mean, it's not the same type of movie, but like where they they've done eight of them. Although people, you know, eight was didn't I don't think did quite didn't eight do a little bit worse than seven. Well, it was I think it was they they were kind of getting to the jump the shark point. Yeah, a and, lot of people were not digging that movie. Yeah, and so you know, Fast Furious is another one where you could maybe point that as to example of like, well, they just kind of kept building and building and and you buy things within their world you wouldn't buy in other movie worlds but uh it's just and 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 it's hard for me to even explain the plot of fallout because it's there's a lot going on and so i'm i'm not really going to try to attempt it because it's just he's on another mission that seems impossible <laughs> and what's cool about it is it just it it continues on from like the last one or even the last couple to where you kind of need to know the things that were set up in those and the characters were set up in those to understand where he's at. But it's it wouldn't be like a – it's not a absolute prerequisite to enjoy this one. But it kind of is, I think, to fully enjoy this one. And it will just kind of help you understand this world if you're not familiar. But I don't know. It's, it's weird because Tom Cruise is someone who I don't like him in pretty much any <laughs> other movie. Except if there's an M.I. in the title. Oh, man. I mean, I'm talking about more modern time. I mean, obviously, you know, back in the day, he had a few interesting movies. Um, so I take it you're not excited for the Top Gun sequel? Yeah, not come. excited for Top Gun colon Maverick or whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, no. You, you know, uh, I'm talking more like, you know, uh, it was interesting to see him do, like, Born on the Fourth of July, where... You know, that's pretty young in his career. He attempted to do this very intense, hard character drama, you know, and uh, that he is pretty capable. Um, it's just that I just don't really usually like the choices he makes <laughs> or the movies he makes outside of, you know, these Mission Impossibles. He, this is just a franchise that uh, he's he's kind of he's tailored it to his strengths. Which is kind of it's paid dividends. <laughs> which is kind of crazy to say because I remember the reason they brought on Jeremy Renner originally in this series because oh he he's he's getting fatigued with this movie and movie franchise we might have to sub him out for someone younger. Yeah, well, and that was the speculation with Henry Cavill, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, oh, Henry Cavill was brought in to continue it on, and and even even in the last one they brought in Rebecca Ferguson, it was like, oh, Rebecca Ferguson, maybe they're gonna have a women every time they always think oh, a new leader, new leader, and Tom Cruise is like. <laughs> you wish <laughs> and he just laughs himself to a crazy stupor in real life not in the movies he doesn't laugh very much in the movies he likes to save his crazy laughing for real life yeah well so. <laughs> he, he kind of strikes me as being a really serious guy like i've seen him in interviews except for when he jumped in the air on oprah and punched the ground yeah he that was he, he can be that was more of a psychotic laugh like like my ex, my ex's, you know, plane just went down with her new boyfriend on the way to their their marriage or something. Laugh, like like that sort of laugh. Yeah, but anyway, it's so it's another strong entry. I guess we'll see. We'll see what the future is for Mission Impossible. I yeah. guess, but it was just like it was. It was just. It was fun. It was there was. Uh, it never dragged. There was good payoffs. There was good callbacks. Just uh, well done, and it was. And he had uh, the same director of the last one come back, which has never been done in the Mission Impossible franchise. And no, that's very true. And that worked too. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, that was fun. So like, let's move on to our number ones now. The move, the big All old numero right. unos uh, for our bilingual uh, listeners out there. <laughs> so <laughs> Dakota, what do you what do you got for us? Let's, All right, this is this this is out of this amazing summer we've had. Dakota went through and plucked this one out of this ripe, beautiful bush of raspberries. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, man. Why well, you notice how I use raspberry? Yeah, you know, the Razzie Awards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, go ahead. This one was a real juggernaut. I didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> okay, little reference for you guys. You probably know what I'm talking about. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I'm talking about Deadpool two. Oh, D two. You know. I'm going to put this out there. thought the first one was great. First time I watched it, it was like, oh, this guy is awesome. He's going places. This is a great superhero movie. And then I got to think about it. I had some time to myself. And Once I, again, you walked around outside. 
<laughs> fed the birds. <laughs> and then I came back, watched it again. I'm like, wow, this movie has no story. And it looks like Ryan Reynolds was given too much free reign to be Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> that is... You are correct, sir. That is <laughs> two glaring, glaring issues with the first one. That That's why I don't think... I don't think I could call it a great movie, just because of those two reasons. Too much Ryan Reynolds, not enough plot, no story there. This one, however, it's not so much Ryan Reynolds because they have they brought in some more characters. Uh, Cable being a big addition to this universe, uh, and then of course you had. The characters from the first one they brought back, uh, Negaton, Negasonic TJH Warhead, uh, Cy- wow, I almost said Cyclops, Colossus is brought back. Um, I was really worried this was kind of be going to be basically um, The Hangover 2. For those of you that remember, The Hangover 2 was basically a remake starring the same people. <laughs> That they used for the first one. And I don't... Nobody really liked that movie. And I was thinking, oh, please, please don't be... Don't be that. Just be awesome. <laughs> but anyway, kind of... Uh, this this film franchise, I think, got some much-needed gravitas. Gravitas? Gravitas? <laughs> Sorry, I'm horrible with Latin. It's it just sounds funny when you're saying a word like gravitas. You say gravitas. <laughs> it's got gravitas. <laughs> gravitas. I don't know. Uh in the form of Josh Brolin, he's playing cable. Uh coming off playing uh playing Thanos in the Avengers movie. And he actually does one amazing job in this movie. He's kind of basically the heart and soul of this movie uh marina baccaro is brought back for this movie too uh, and honestly i didn't really like kind of what they did with her character uh, i'll just spoil it for you since most of you probably seen it she's actually killed in the first part of the movie uh and then yeah so deadpool gets depressed wade whatever you want to call him tries to kill himself um tries to move in with the x-men uh there's a blink and miss a cameo of the x-men who are going to be in the dark phoenix movie coming out here which i just thought was really odd because that movie took place in 19 whatever 1992 i think is what they're aiming for uh and whereas we're obviously in 2018 um but yeah, kind of not not much of a story here. Uh, Deadpool through some kind of hijinks along with this kid that goes by the name Firestarter gets sent to this mutant prison. Um, that's where Cable shows up. He is actually from the future. And you find out that this kid, uh, he calls himself Firestarter. You find out that uh, he actually becomes a supervillain. Uh, pretty powerful one who's killed a lot of people. So Cable's come back in time to basically kill him. It's the Terminator. Yeah, and, oh, good lord, there's a reference to that in there, too. Uh, yeah, this movie, I think, is just great, simply because of the fact that um, I feel like the director was able to kind of tone back Ryan Reynolds a little bit. He still does the, there's still way too many references, pop culture culture references in this movie, um, which is something that can get a little annoying, uh, but the story is a lot better. Uh, the Who turns out to be the villain, I think was just great. Finally, we had Juggernaut in an actual live action, live action movie, and I just loved what they did with him. And just to kind of what really, really capped the movie off in a lot of the marketing stuff, they hyped the X-Force 
which is, you know, a group of mutants that uh, get banded together. They're kind of like the more the more uh, rougher side of the X-Men, basically. And in the movie, they're all promptly killed, except for Domino. <laughs> in hilarious, hilarious, horrible ways. Like, it is something... <laughs> I could honestly... Uh, this probably makes me sound like a sociopath, but I could watch that probably about... Uh, for like an hour straight, just on repeat. Wait, so they that whole X-Force thing, they just killed them all yes oh my gosh yeah because that was like a big thing and everybody's like oh that's gonna be the next movie or something uh there's a a really awesome cameo by of all people matt damon in this movie what's, what's up with him and cameoing and yeah, stuff i have no idea but uh yeah he's in here um brad pitt is in here playing a member of the x-force you don't see him unfortunately until he's dead or almost dead and then the joke immediately becomes like a hundred times more hilarious because literally if you blink and you miss it you're not going to see him <laughs> um this movie has some great action set pieces in it i i feel like that comes from the director the director of this is also one of the guys that helmed john wick so this movie I just felt was so much stronger all around. Um, the ending really got to me, though. It's like you couldn't just leave on a high point. Once again, he references the crappy Green Lantern movie he was in. Oh, my gosh. And there's two references to the crappy um, X- X-Men Origins Wolverine movie that had the... Oh God, you can't let the, those go, can he? The crappy, yeah. The crappy Deadpool that was in those. Um, and, you know, it's crazy because Ryan Reynolds has had so many crap movies. That's been most of his career. I don't know why he, why can't he just let Green Lantern go? You basically, that movie. I think it's because, I think he thinks he's playing to who's watching the movie he's in where it's like, hey, comic book nerds, you all hated my Green Lantern movie. But he that movie just basically ruined the character, which is why supposedly the Green Lantern didn't show up in Justice League. Um, and it's just like, let it go, man. Let it go, or I want to see some selfless, uh, some, God, what's some other crappy movies he was in? Uh, uh, R.I.P.D. I want to see some R.I.P.D. references. R.I.P.D. I mean, just any. You just name a Ryan Reynolds movie. Just you, Friends. You can't even name one because they're too hard to remember because they're so forgettable. Deadpool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Way to way to stoke the fire, Stephen. <laughs> uh, just there's just so many. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know why he just can't let it go, and I really hope he does. Because if there's uh, if there's jokes in the second one, he's, I don't know, what's that, flogging a dead horse times two now? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, yeah, that was my movie of the summer. And so you give it a... Uh, oh, wow. Like, do you give it a higher grade than Hereditary? hereditary or do you just it's just your favorite of the summer it's my favorite uh well the quality i don't think is as up there as hereditary okay um i know that sounds very conflicting but (laughs) no i get you there's i just derive a lot more out of deadpool you know it's there's parts where it's funny it's tense dramatic funny Despite Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. Well, my number one is a little more, I wouldn't say like abstract or anything like that, but it's a documentary. But honestly, out of any movie I've seen this summer, it moved me in the most ways. It challenged me in the most ways it inspired me in the most ways just every type of thing you can really feel this movie made you feel and actually the movie challenged you to basically just feel 
And that's because that was the mission of this man to under, to be okay that you have feelings, but then to also remember that other people around you have feelings and kind of this idea of just loving people around you and loving yourself, you know, in the midst of that, you know, loving people around you as you love yourself, I should say. And that was, won't you be my neighbor? Ah, yes. The documentary about uh, Fred Rogers' life, the man who ended up becoming, God, probably one of the most iconic, well-known children's shows um, in the world when he created Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And this movie really just goes back to his beginnings on on uh, who he was um kind of basically where the inception of Mr. Rogers' neighbor came from and how it came out of everything he was attempting to live for in his personal life and him just seeing television as this powerful tool that no one was really he he in his mind he saw these kids shows on TV uh you know during the 50s and things like that were just like just dumb like he just saw it as just dumb and wasteful just like pies and faces and just like and he's just like here you have this medium that can just reach everyone and it's being wasted on this when we could be we could be using this to spread spread this message of 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 love and care and compassion and that was really just that right there was just the seed that began this whole journey that he went on. And it, I just found it so fascinating because they used a lot of archival footage of him talking, uh, you know, in those time, you know, during those times. So it wasn't like even, you know, where he's looking back, uh, you know, through the rose colored glasses or he's looking back through more critical glasses. It's him in those time periods talking, um, about where his mind was. And I found that to be very fascinating because uh, there were still moments where they relied on people now talking back on it. And I feel like sometimes those aren't the most credible places because they can, you can revise history to fit your, your agenda. Whereas when you're, when you're seeing him talking about it in the time and fighting for things in the time and living it in those moments, it just gives you so, and so I just, it's just amazing. And then you just look at just the, the, the things he, he lived for and how, who he wasn't, he, he wasn't an actor (laughs) by any stretch. He was even like, here's, here's what was funny is when people would talk about that show, they would just be like, you know, he's this unassuming man. He's not intimidating in any way. He's not charismatic in any way. He has about two different voices he can do for all of the puppets, but he drew people in. He drew you into this world and, and he was just so genuine. And it was because Mr. Rogers wasn't a persona. He was playing Mr. Rogers was him. And and then it got into really even more deeper than that, where, uh, understanding his, some of his insecurities that he still did fight, and and a lot of people are close to him speculating on how Daniel Tiger was probably the most pure version of who Fred was on the inside, and so it's just kind of interesting to like kind of wrap that whole uh, kind of that whole thing around all of this, and then just to see all the different people that he he cared for over the years who were part of the show and part of his personal life and uh i don't know it was just one of those it just like you said it just moved me and inspired me in so many ways i was just i was a roller coaster of emotions at the end i was just a weepy a weepy puddle and i'm not i'm not ashamed to say that because mr rogers reminded me that uh that's 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 okay but i i just i just really appreciated seeing a movie like this and it was so well made uh, it just the way it was filmed and the way they use these anim they they did these animation moments uh, to when you were like supposed to when it was like it was like their way of being in Fred's head and they used these animation moments of like Daniel Tiger representing him <laughs> and I thought those were really well done and a really cool way to represent those those times and uh, and to see his insecurities in certain times and to feel like he was a failure. Even though 
everyone on the outside we would look at were like, oh, he was achieving so much, and him just seeing where he wasn't doing enough, and and so just all of that just playing together, uh, just so well done. But it was if you've ever heard or seen the documentary Five Feet from Stardom, it was a documentary about the people who backed up really famous pop stars in their concerts. It's by the same people who made that, and that was a really well loved and acclaimed documentary. And so, just a master. If you like documentaries masterfully made and even if you don't like documentaries this is a pretty easy one to help you get into them because it's not boring and it's an interesting just look at a person's life and journey all right well with that being said let's get down to the meat of the potato oh by the way i give this an a plus <laughs> i won't you my neighbor what's the meat of the potato did it go into his time as a navy seal Oh, <laughs> they talked about all those things in the movie and how all these things were just made up about him, like on how he was like a Navy SEAL sniper and that yeah. he always wore long sleeves because he had tattoos. Yeah, that and, was... And all that... And no, he was just this really wimpy little man who wanted to be a minister. I mean... <laughs> I think it's crazy because I feel like people are getting their... Uh, are quote-unquote legendary figures confused because I know Bob Ross apparently was like one of the hardest drill sergeants in the, I think he was in the Air Force, I the believe. The painter? Yeah, Bob Ross was in the military and he was stationed in Alaska of all places. Wow. And he said the thing he hated about the military is it made him, it made him angry because he, he had to yell at people and he had to be mean, which is crazy because you can't see Bob Ross is, why you little maggot? Get down and give no, me fifty. No, I mean he was like there was never any accidents. Uh, just yeah, uh, you know, or you never screwed up. It was a happy accident. I yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, Miss, they do talk about all the things that started up about him, and and even the bad, you know, even the really bad things about how, uh. You know that he hated this type of people, or you know this type of thing, where it was like. It was just kind of these silly, you know, there was just all these, like, silly kind of accusations or things about him over the years. And and, and what's funny is he never really got combat- combatively uh, fighting against it. And I think it was because it was like he knew he was living genuinely, and so he just didn't, you know, really worry about it. But, yeah. I I think it's crazy. I don't know if it's, it's probably in the documentary, but uh, probably one of the most interesting parts of his life is i think i can't remember if it was a senator or congressman they were threatening to take away the funding oh no that's a big that's a big part because his sons when they talk to his sons he's they talk about how uh that after that point was when Everybody knew who Mr. Rogers was because that was such a turning point. Him saving PBS, yeah, with his like four minute speech. <laughs> yeah, the speech is <laughs> to actually... like this senator who like hated, who like didn't give anybody anything they wanted, and he changed the senator's mind in like three and a half minutes. Yeah, it's you can find it on YouTube. It's it's quite amazing. But the documentary is cool because they give you a backstory on that senator a little bit too, and how he's like. Hey, shut up. You know what I mean? He was just like, he didn't care about anything. It was just, it was funny. It was like, it was like the whole story of a Christmas carol in like three minutes where it was like Ebenezer Scrooge was changed by one, <laughs> one ghost and it was Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I remember hearing about that story years ago and from what I remember of it, the, the, I don't know what was it, Senator Congressman, we'll go with Congressman, uh, was portrayed as the sort of guy who was like, you know, he would yell at, at the neighbor, you know, for not flying the American flag all night long in the rain. Like, the stars and stripes never still should be flying, even if it's raining. That's against yeah. the law. You commie, don't contradict me. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, we have, but I think what the most important takeaway from that incident is, is that Miss Fred Rogers didn't change anything about who he was. He just went in there and he said what needed to be said. He didn't point fingers. He just gave the importance of how it could, of the tool it could be, and how he was using it. And he gave an example of how he was using it and how it made change. And that senator, just in in those little things, he just lowered the lowered the defenses that 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 senator. And he's like, I think you just saved 
you know, 20 million or you just won 20 million dollars or whatever he says, he famously says. And so, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that was, that's just a one hilarious, crazy part of <laughs> Mr. Rogers journey. But, um, it's cool to hear about more about officer Clemens and, and those types of people that were part of the show too. And kind of their journeys of doing that show with him. I so. didn't, I didn't realize he was like the voice of the puppets though. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, the only two voices. (laughs) That's what's crazy is I really we realized at the end of the documentary, he's like, I think he only had one Daniel Tiger puppet and he just took it everywhere. And you just see these kids hugging it and kissing it. And that thing is just dirty and ratty. Just (laughs) it's just funny. And then he'll be in like an interview with another adult. Like on a news show and he'll pull the puppet and just talk to the talk to the talk show host with Daniel Tiger. It just. And how that talk show is just goes right into this, just talking to the puppet, and and I think it's because it's it's all done so just like, Mister Ed is just so pure. I mean, obviously he was still a man who fought a lot of insecurities and and things like that, but in the things he did, there was just such an innocence yeah. that it's just it's just mind boggling in our cynical age, and how important how how important this documentary is right now with how cynical we all are. Um, but yeah, and, and I think that's really why it just affected me so much too. But yeah, I think with that, we better bring this episode to a close where we drag this on a little too long. But Nonsense. We hope, There's we no such you, thing. <laughs> we hope you had fun, uh, going down memory lane with us. And we are so excited to be back. Um, just regurgitating any sort of movie knowledge or facts that come into our head for you and, and to talk to you about movies because that's why the show is called what it's called because that's what we love to do is talk about movies. And so we hope you continue to go with us on this journey that is not over. Uh, we're back to bring you uh, more and more episodes. Um, and so we hope you keep listening, and thank you for listening. And you can check us out on Facebook. That's the big place to check us out on social media-wise. It's just the easiest one for us to use to communicate things. Um, but we also hope you subscri- subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we put up our episodes on on YouTube or any other podcast place that you find us there. Just Dakota Boys Talk Movies. Make it nice and easy. So, yeah, we hope you do that. And um, I think with that, we'll close this up. So this is Steven. This is Dakota. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>